Welcome to Digital Health Talks. Each week, we meet with the healthcare leaders making a measurable difference in equity, access, and quality. Hear about what tech is worth investing in and what isn't as we focus on the innovations that deliver. Join me, Megan Antonelli, and my friend, Shahid Shah, for our weekly No BS Deep Dives into what's really making an impact in healthcare. everybody. Welcome. This is Megan Antonelli with Health Impact, and I am so excited to be here today with Dr. Lewis and Dr. Landry. They have written a new book that is coming out in April called Micro Skills, Small Actions, Big Impact. And we're all about impact here at Health Impact. So I am excited to learn more about the book and tell everybody how they can get it and all the value it brings. Dr. Lewis, Dr. Landry, so nice to see you today. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having us. We are delighted. Yes, Dr. Lewis, we had the pleasure of meeting last year at the Digital Medicine Conference, but give us a little intro. Tell us about your background and how you came to meet Dr. Landry and write the book. Great. Well, first of all, thank you so much for inviting us to guest today on the conversation and on the podcast webinar. I'm not sure how we term this, but we're glad to be here is the bottom line. By means of background, I'm a professor of emergency medicine, and I'm an author, and I'm a podcaster, and I'm a speaker. And that's all to say that I believe in communication and storytelling. And what we really hope is when readers take a look at our book, they appreciate the stories and know that those stories help illustrate ways to be better at work. And I am Dr. Adara Landry, and I'm also a physician in Boston, and I have spent most of my career focused on career development, mentorship for others, and it's just something that's been a growing passion of mine, trying to help sort of unveil some of the secrets of success that help others in the workplace that maybe not all of us have access to. And Risa and I started writing together a few years ago one of our first articles was really on being efficient with mentorship so that you are able to help other people without hurting yourself, hurting your calendar. And from that, we started writing more and more about the workplace and navigating the workplace. And all of these articles have been really inspired by our own personal journey, things that we have struggled with that we felt were relatable or translatable to a wider audience, right? We're not writing just for emergency medicine physicians. We're writing for anyone in the workplace. And over a few years, we became more accustomed to each other's writing style and pace and expectations and thought that a book would be a really wonderful challenge and next step for us. And so writing a, a book is a huge commitment. It's taken us years. By the time the book comes out, it'll be about three years of just this one project. And it's been an amazing experience for both of us. Well, that's great. Well, and I know you're both incredibly busy and your day job. So the uh, yeah. <laughs> taking on another undertaking like that is quite a lot, but so mm -hmm. glad to bring your knowledge and experience to this. So tell me a little bit about micro skills. I mean, I can think of what it might mean, but tell me what, what those mean and, and what they can lead to in, in helping folks with their, with mentorship and getting better at the, their day job, as you say in, in the tagline. I would think of it as, a, I'm going to give you a, a higher level con, con, conceptual framework for what it is. Because to me, Teresa and I, we hope it's a new way of thinking about your own goals and how you're going to approach them. 
And I'll give you the context of recent I love the business self-help books. We've read a bunch of them. We had to read some in preparation for writing this book. And we noticed that a lot of the books will bring in assumptions. They are sort of surrounded or enveloped with assumptions. They might tell you to do something without knowing who you are, your personal problems, your context, what you have access to and all those things. And an example would be that I read a book about sort of building a family once. And one of the pieces of advice was go out and get a financial advisor. But like, how do you pick one? How do you know what to ask them to do? And all of those specifics were really not covered. And so when we were writing this book, we wanted to really make sure that we taught the smallest possible skills for folks and that these skills were um, cumulative, additive, so that as you progress through your career, you can call upon prior skills and say, oh, yeah, I remember doing that because I did it in the past. And so our micro skills framework really starts with understanding your personal situation, who you are. And so that's why we start every single micro skills with a, a personal vignette, something that really inspired us to want to create the change. Like, what was it that happened to us that made us realize there's a lesson here? And then from there, we talk about the need, like why we actually need the skill. And that, I think, helps give it sort of the fundamental credibility that what we're trying to emphasize is backed by evidence or data. Um, it's not just for, for fun that you're making these changes, but we think it will truly impact your career. And then we move on to why it's hard. And I think that's actually the most human aspect of this, aside from the personal stories, because we really want our readers to understand that we have struggled too. We are not writing from a higher place. We have had challenges with communication, with building expertise, and we want to normalize that it's okay to find yourself in a place where you're like, I don't know what to do, and it's also hard to create change. And so I think the third thing, or the fourth thing rather, is are the critical actions. So what are the really concrete, actionable steps that you can create to move towards your goal? If I can make it concrete, and if... Listeners and viewers, think about when you learned how to tie your shoe. Now, I might be dating myself because maybe some people don't tie shoes anymore. It's just all slip-ons, clogs, and Velcro. I think you can go with me in this illustration. When you learn how to tie your shoe, and I actually remember doing this. There's so many steps. You widen the shoe, pull out the tongue, slip your foot in, make sure your heel is placed. Then you pull taut the laces. Then you grab one. I won't go through all the steps, but you understand it was step by step and each step build. Similarly, Adair and I are emergency medicine physicians. So one example we use is the concept of a patient comes in, they've cut themselves and you need to place stitches. And there are a whole selection of steps that build upon each other to ultimately clean the wound, close the wound and send that patient home step by step. And in the same way, that's how we teach these micro skills. That's great. I, and I do th I think it's interesting, especially in the context of, yes, healthcare professionals, but also, I mean, thinking back to when I first worked in an office and you go in and no one really does teach you those things, right? I mean, there's a lot that you just learn by making a mistake or doing it wrong. So this ability to kind of shortcut those skills is so important. And I so and I appreciate it. But also for healthcare professionals who, of course, are learning so much in medical school about how to treat and diagnose and, and do medicine, 
but the other parts of healthcare now being a leader and and be attending meetings, doing podcasts, things like that, that are have become part of the job. We recently, Dr. Gita Nair has re- written a book recently about communication and miscommunication in healthcare and putting it on executives and leaders to bring that better communication, better education. So some of these skills that are so important. Tell me about some of the skills you're teaching in the book. So I'll start with our chapter one, which Adair and I love talking about because we think it's a little surprising when people first learn that our first chapter is micro skills for self-care. The workplace, and this is not just healthcare, but we can use the example of healthcare because that's where we work, doesn't teach you how to take care of yourself. And in fact, the system is sort of built for you not to take care of yourself. And for both of us, when we're going through training and starting early career, it wasn't modeled well by leaders, by peers. So we actually think everything starts with the self. And there is this theme, as been already mentioned, the self. And then once you're able to care for yourself, you're then in a good place to care for your team. And ultimately, then you're helping to care for and be better at work. So because we believe everything starts with the self, because we feel like it's not talked about, modeled, and respected enough, chapter one is micro skills for self-care. And in that, we talk about financial health. We talk about sleep hygiene. We talk about, when I say appearance, we're not talking about telling people how to dress or how to style their hair, for example. What we're talking about is a neatness of appearance and sort of a paying attention to how you show up at work. And when we were having people beta read the book, someone says, so is this your own anecdotes and this is what you think? And so that was a fair sort of question and we took it as amazing feedback What we write in the book is very much supported by what we find in the literature. And so, believe it or not, promotion in the workplace is related to your neatness and professional way that you show up at work. Of course, not a surprise there, but, you know, not always the what I always feel like doing on a Friday afternoon, but it is important. And I think, and it's the little things, right? Going back to the idea of micro skills and how you can make a big impact with small actions, right? And in a, I think one of the ways, I think when we first met that conversation around burnout and physician burnout, of course, something that we talk about a lot at Health Impact. And there's been a culture of Non, not having self-care, of it being fine to be overworked, exhausted, and tired as a physician, because that's just what it is. And I do think, and I hope that is changing. So is that, and, and is, I assume that's a little bit of where that is is born from. Tell us a little bit more about some of the other things as you go deeper into the book. Yeah, the book, can I just start by saying the book is pretty comprehensive. And we did that intentionally. We didn't want to make a book just about self-care or just about communication because we know that anyone who's struggling with navigating the workplace or just entering the workplace, they're going to need more support than just like a very focused topic like that. And so we really cover, I I would say it's a pretty comprehensive range of topics from, as Risa mentioned, self-care to managing your task list, to being a polished communicator, to building, maintaining your reputation, becoming a subject matter expert. This one is maybe people might not um, expect to be in a book like this, but learning your workplace culture. Like what are the norms 
how do people behave, whether or not you agree with it, you still need to observe it and understand it, right? And then being a team player, right? How do you acknowledge the work of your team and their impact? How do you avoid scheduling when other people should be out rest and out with their family? Like, how do you sort of maintain that compassionate culture and protecting people's free time? How do you grow your network? How do you navigate conflict? And then we really wanted to end on something positive and forward thinking. So we ended with actively finding new opportunities. How do you continue to push yourself and grow? That's great. And and I think it's coming from your background to writing a book for everyone, right? And so tell me a little bit about why you chose to not just make it for the physician or clinician, but really wanted to bring it to, to all those in the workforce. I'll start by saying what we do at work is very translatable to any other workplace. We're interacting with people. We have goals that we need to carry out and make sure that they um, occur safely and to our standards. We also do a lot of conflict resolution. (laughs) I mean, in the emergency room, that's a big part of our job. But a lot of the things that we do on a day-to-day basis are very translatable to any collective group who are working together for a goal. It's just that ours is focused on the human body and taking care of someone with physical needs, for instance. And in another environment, it might be we're taking care of creating products that's going to be shipped out. But we all have unified goals and we all want to do well at our job. I think people think of medicine as not a typical place to be in this like business self-help category because we typically see older men, older white men, who are in like consulting or finance and like they are the ones telling everyone how to work in the workplace. And I think what's unique about Risa and I is A, our ages and stages are different and also coming into it as women, I'm a black woman, but also just being a healthcare provider, we really understand what, how it's so important to make sure you are compassionate to yourself, how you are taking care of yourself. I think one of the things that we see on a regular basis in medicine is that sometimes people are really focused on work, like just work. And then they think, well, I'll take care of myself and my needs when I retire. And not everyone is afforded that luxury of retiring and living for another 30 years. That's not true. And so we really wanted to deliver a um, a product that can help people feel in charge now that doesn't make people feel like they have to wait until later in life to sort of live their best self. And we also want it to be like very actionable so that as Risa said, if you turn to one page, like you can read it and you really are um, on your way to be better at work immediately. Two things I'd like to add is no one questions when sort of the mainstream white male authors write for everybody, this general audience that Adara referred to And so we too are in a perfect position to be able to write for everybody, just like other authors are. And in fact, we perhaps because we have complementary perspectives and because we're physicians and we see a lot in the emergency department, boy, do we take care of everybody. We have a lot of perspective to share. And one of the proofs that what we have to say is generalizable, well-received, et cetera, is, yeah, we had plenty of beta readers, but you could argue, well, they were friends of Adair and Risa. But we had plenty proof of concept. We had pilots. We published articles in, for example, Fast Company or Nature or Harvard Business Review. And part of it is we read those outlets and we're like, wow, all these articles are relevant to us in healthcare. So similarly, 
we knew that what we were seeing and experiencing wasn't isolated. And I do think people think medicine and healthcare is this special, isolated ecosystem, <laughs> ecosystem mm -hmm. industry. And it's not. And, you know, so many friends not in healthcare have said like, wow, this article, this is relevant to my office. This is relevant to my profession. And in, it was reaffirming because that's what we knew. And so, yeah, we've gotten great feedback in that way. Yeah, well, and I, I think that is a testament to some degree healthcare's evolution. I mean, there's certainly been a corporatization of healthcare, right? So there's a lot more business and industry happening in healthcare, and those skills are all the more transferable. But to your point, which I think is new and, and somewhat, I hadn't thought about it before, but you're also working in multiple different environments when you work in healthcare as a physician, right? I mean, you do have to go from the boardroom to the OR to, to groups that's teaching you and lead teams of very diverse skill sets. So, so yeah, absolutely makes that total sense. How about, is there anything in terms of, we've talked a lot and heard a lot as AI and large language models and all of this changes the needs and the skills needed about upskilling and maybe sort of educating yourself, evolving as technology evolves. Are there things like that in, in the book that you're talking about at all? I love that question. Uh, and I'll start by saying both of us are growth mindset oriented. And so there is a chapter on micro skills for developing subject matter expertise. There's another chapter that was already mentioned on preparing for your next position. And both kind of break down ways to stay up to date. And so talking about where to get resources to educate yourself on new technologies, new knowledge, new practices, and that not getting stuck in the, this is the way we do things because this is the way we've always done things. That's very repeated, unfortunately, in medicine. We're not built that way. We don't believe that. And we actually think even in writing a book, that has pushed us to make sure that we don't get stuck in our old ways and we think of new ways of doing things. So we actually do give critical actions on how to stay up to date, whether it be AI, whether it be the next thing coming after AI. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that the needs to evolve and adapt in today's workforce, no matter where you work, are so important. And I think what sort of what I'm hearing in terms of the lesson is you break it down into these small skills and to these actions. And then I imagine you can take some of those skills and apply them to whatever challenge that you're, you're facing at work. So yes, that is the hope that as someone reads through this book, they realize, wow, there's so much to learn. There's so much that I didn't know. And I'm glad I learned it earlier. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I think, so when you think about the skills, is there one in particular that you think is like, oh my God, this is the most helpful, or this is the hardest that was for hardest for you. What's your favorite? <laughs> That's so hard because I think it really depends on what I'm looking for at the moment. And um, and so it really does depend on the day. I will say that I, I recently just spoke with a colleague of mine who was looking for a letter of recommendation. She wanted to be nominated for an award and she hadn't found anyone to write the letter. And so I went over the nomination letter. And so I went over how you can actually draft your own letter of recommendation. That's quite common in academia as a way to remove some of the burden of the person you're asking this task of. And so we have a micro school in there on, on how to draft your own letter of recommendation. And 
how you can go about making it very objective and sort of a review of all the details about yourself that you know best, right? Like, and I would be able to write my a letter of recommendation better than anyone because I know what I have achieved more than anyone. And you draft the letter and then you can send it to them and they can add all the superlatives like she's the best, she's the greatest, I love her, all of those details that they can polish and send off on your behalf. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I think that's such a that's such a good so we always do that too. Not that I want to divulge our secrets, but you know, it's like when you're asking people. For, <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like yeah, it, it, it is a secret. It is a secret right. that like everyone does. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> and you, you don't want to it's like you're asking someone for a quote or a testimonial, like you know what you want them to say. So yeah. <laughs> and let yeah. them revise it and edit it, right? And put it in their voice, which of course, yeah, it's, it is a, a long honed skill to do, but I think people appreciate it and people want to help. And I think that's what one of the great things about this book is it for our folks who are, are often maybe a little bit later in their career, but are mentoring people that it sounds like there's a lot of good skills and a lot of good um, training for, for those mentors to pass down and share with their mentees. Yeah. Bingo. That's great. So I think, tell us if there's anything we haven't shared about the book that you'd love to share, or just tell us where we're going to be able to get it. Thanks for that question too. So MicroSkills, Small Actions, Big Impact is available wherever you buy your books. It's available now for pre-order and we are launching in April of 2024. Our hope is that the content really is useful to people, really equips people to be better in their workplace and to feel less overwhelmed when they don't quite understand or don't quite know how to navigate. We'd love to hear from you. We're on all social media channels. We have our own websites. Uh, but we really uh, want to know, uh, is this helpful? Is this not helpful? Where did we get it right? Where did we get it wrong? And we welcome the feedback. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Landry, Dr. Lewis. I'm so excited to read the book. I love this genre and this help, the helpful tools that can be found, as well as to share with other people. So thanks again for joining us. And I look forward to talking to you after the book is released and after we get some additional feedback from folks about how to apply it to the workplace. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this week's Health Impacts Digital Health Talk. Don't miss another podcast. Subscribe at digitalhealthtalks.com. And to join us at our next face-to-face event, visit healthimpactlive.com.